Welcome to season two of the Curious Nature podcast. Hey, Meg. Hey, good morning, Olivia. Good morning. So in season one, we started every episode with a tarot card poll, and we're going to do the same this time around, and it's especially relevant because season one was all about cycles and learning how to work with and live in the different cycles in our lives and in nature. And season two is, I'm calling it our magic season, and magic with a purpose. So we will be sharing with you, and we have a lineup of the most incredible guests this season, to share with you our favorite modalities that will help you create a vibrant, aligned life, which is what Megan and I really want for you. So it's magic for self-development, magic for self-empowerment. And one of our guests will be talking about tarot, Athena. We can't wait to share her with you. But today I'm going to pull a card for today's episode, which is all about nervous system regulation. And I will explain why on earth we are talking about nervous system regulation in a magic season in just a minute. I'm pulling right from the top of the deck. We're using the Wild Unknown deck, which my sister-in-law gave to me recently. And we got... The Hierophant reversed. I love the Hierophant card. Oh, wow. I'll hold it right side up. So I love the Hierophant card because it's all about knowledge and wisdom and stepping into really trusting yourself as a wisdom keeper. It looks like we have a raven standing on a key. And it's completely black and white, really beautifully edged, like a woodblock print. And then there's a strip of color, and it looks like a ribbon in the wind. And with the reversal, a lot of people think, oh, no, the card's reversed. That means it's not going to come true. In my experience, a reversal generally means that there is a slowing down, a little extra unblocking that needs to happen. And with the Hierophant in particular, a reversal can mean bucking of the system, a shedding of the traditional ways of doing things. So I could not pick a more perfect card for the first episode of this season and the season in general, because we are going to be sharing some maybe unconventional ways of doing things. If you've been working on building a vibrant aligned life and you're not there yet, and you've been doing it in a really conventional way, maybe it's time to mix things up and let in a little magic. I'm Megan LaPrairie, a brand photographer. And I'm Olivia Bowen, a certified life coach. And this is Curious Nature. So Olivia, you recently held Attending the Magic online seminar, and it was incredible. I learned so much about these different modalities, maybe some of which you're going to go through today. And I'm so excited to share these with other people. I actually went to share a bunch with my children 
And apparently their school is so advanced into self-care and meditation practices that my children actually knew a lot of these already, which was very cool because I don't feel like you and I had access to this type of therapy when we were growing up. Yeah. Terminology just wasn't in the ether like it is now. So props to your kid's school. I love that. The pre-K at my kid's school also does a lot of nervous system regulation. They have meditation time every day. It's so cute to see Pepper cross her legs and she does like a really exaggerated almost caricature of meditation, but it works. And yeah, we covered nervous system regulation in Tending the Magic. We also talked about it at the Sacred Nature Retreat back in May, which you were also at. And the reason I weave it into everything I do is because it is such an immediate, life-changing, game-changing practice. And it's free and it starts working right away. And you can do it in awkward, high-stress situations. There's a technique you can use in any situation. You could use it after a fight. You could use it before a test, before going into a job interview. Even in nature, you will find animals self-regulate. Say you have predator and prey, and there's this dynamic going on where they're being chased. When the prey finds that they have successfully evaded the predator, they'll shake it off. Yeah. And then they move on. And that is part of our process. And what is not so baked into our culture is allowing the space and the time to literally shake it off. Taylor Swift is doing her best to bring the message to the masses. I tell my children that all the time. I go, what would Taylor Swift do? And they go, shake it off. That's so good. <laughs> I want to start by talking high level about what the nervous system is, because we've been steeped in this work now for quite a while, but this was really foreign to me even just a few years ago. And there are so many different parts of the nervous system. It can get really complicated. We're going to keep it really simple and really actionable. So I'm going to do my best to keep this jargon-free, Megan. If I bring in the jargon, please keep me honest about that. And because I do think having more of the terminology can be helpful, I'm going to be sharing a lot about the nervous system on my Instagram page at This Is Sacred Nature, my new handle. So please make sure you're following along. And we will, of course, be cross-posting all of that on the podcast page at Curious Nature Pod. So make sure you're following there too. That way, wherever you follow us, you can get this great information with a little more detail that might not translate for the podcast. You may recognize the terminology fight or flight, freeze or fawn, or feeling regulated. Feeling regulated is one of the goals of nervous system regulation. So what does the nervous system do? At the highest level, the nervous system is responsible for regulating our body's vital functions, breathing, heart rate digestion. When our nervous system is activated, you may notice that your heart rate is higher. Your breathing is faster or shallower. You may feel knots in your stomach because your digestion has gone awry. Those are all signs of an activated nervous system that you may feel in fight or flight, for example. A healthy nervous system can go into one of those activated states and then return to its regulated state. So that's exactly what you were talking about with the predator-prey situation, right? The prey was in a heightened nervous system state, 
and then shook it off and then came back to that regulated state. Notice it's important to be able to go into those activated states. The goal is not to never feel heightened or tense or any other emotion. The goal is to feel the appropriate emotion, the appropriate sensations for the experience, and then come back to that more neutral state. So to start, I want people to imagine a ladder, and this comes from Deb Dana. She's sort of the queen of nervous system information. So imagine a ladder, and in the middle, you have this regulated state. At the top of the ladder, you have these activated fight-or-flight states. And then at the bottom of the ladder, you have freeze or fawn. So freeze could be that deer in the headlights, inability to think of what to say, feeling stuck. Fawn is one that people might not be recognizing as a nervous system state, but is so common. People-pleasing, your inability to set and hold boundaries, excessive apologizing, avoiding confrontation, all of those could be signs that you are in a fawn state at the lower end of that ladder. Check, check, check. Although they say the first part in working to solve a problem is realizing that it exists. So this is good. Okay, so we've labeled it. Now we know what it is. And now we can see our behaviors if they're matching up with those responses. And I'm so glad you phrased it that way because actually it's not a problem. No nervous system state is a problem in any way. And I've seen people feel a sense of shame or embarrassment when they're dysregulated, whether it's being activated in fight mode or going to that people-pleasing fawn mode. Your nervous system is only ever working to keep you safe. So whatever it is doing, it is doing for your greatest good. What we can do is start to tone your nervous system and give it a little more information so that you can feel better. So there's nothing wrong with being dysregulated. It's always working for your greatest good. It might just be misinformed. But what if you're constantly feeling dysregulated? Think of the pandemic, for example. Our lives shifted dramatically. And I think a lot of us ended up in a lot of these modes where we felt very dysregulated. Is it okay to do that for an extended period of time? Or to top it off, is it possible that we've adapted out of these? Do we need to be freezing anymore? We're not running from predators out in the world when we're hunting so much. I'm curious if we still utilize all this nervous system regulation in the society that we thrive in today. Yes, we do. And right, so our nervous systems have not evolved at the rate of technology for sure. So it's not the same experience as being out on the savanna being chased by a lion. And we do find ourselves in situations that are not safe. What happens more and more often is our nervous systems misidentify situations as being unsafe and then trigger us into these different states, either up or down the ladder. So with the pandemic, that was a terrifying time. I mean, holy moly, was I in flight mode. I was 
moving all the furniture, vacuuming under the furniture, making lists of lists, zipping around my house. I didn't know what to do. I was terrified. My nervous system knew that I wasn't safe and was giving my body that feedback. At my house, I was watching mac and cheese TV. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Tell me everything. Mac and cheese TV is rewatching the safe shows like The West Wing. You know what happens. You've already seen it. And so you rewatch it. And I was completely fawning. I was fawning all over that show. I was just sitting there and reabsorbing all this safe information because politically things were so awry and I felt out of control. And so my response was to kind of sink into the couch during that time when possible. Of course, so many other things going on and so many other responsibilities. But I noticed a lot of those behaviors for me was fawn. I love the term mac and cheese TV. Can't believe I hadn't heard that before. And that is a totally appropriate response to a global pandemic when the world is on fire. And so all of these are appropriate responses. And it is not pleasant to live in fight or flight, to live in freezer fawn. So there's nothing wrong with it. And you deserve to spend more time in a regulated state because that is where you can choose to take appropriate action. That is where you can be more open to joy and pleasure and delight. So there's nothing wrong with being dysregulated. And we want to expand our zone of tolerance so that you can spend more time feeling regulated and open to the pleasures of the world. There's nothing wrong with it, but there is still a goal of getting back to center. So I'm confused. So what I don't want people to do is feel shame or embarrassment. And we do need to be able to click into these other states. We don't want to turn these states off. So the goal of working with your nervous system is to have an appropriate response to the situation and then come back to your neutral state so you can move forward and take the action you need to take. They are necessary. Right. You come across a snake, you need to freeze. It's good that they get turned on and it's okay not to have it turned off. You know, you want to be able to slip into that state if you need to, because it's self-preservation biologically. But is it okay to freeze? Is that helpful? If you are freezing, it is because your nervous system is recognizing something as unsafe. So it is, I think, very lovingly protecting you. It might be overprotective. So it's what is happening is still in service of your greatest good and of keeping you safe. You can spend years in a dysregulated state. Lots of people do without even realizing it. Um, and there's nothing wrong if that has happened. I need people to hear that. And two things can be true. It can be absolutely true that your nervous system is only working on your behalf and trying to keep you safe. And it can be absolutely true that you are ready to move out of being dysregulated so you can move into spending more time in a zone of regulation where you are more empowered and free. Okay, so how do we get there? So glad you asked. There are tons and tons of ways to regulate your nervous system. And some are better for different dysregulated states, but there are a few foundational things that I want everyone to know. And 
different things work for different people. We've seen this just between the two of us, Megan, that things that I find really soothing for my nervous system, you find super triggering. And things that you find really soothing, I find really uncomfortable. So today we are going to be offering a menu for people to begin experimenting. And if something doesn't work for you, it just doesn't work for you, right? It's like when pants don't fit, it's the pants fault they don't fit. It's not your fault the pants don't fit. Just get pants that fit. We're going to get nervous system regulation techniques that work for you. Hey, listeners of the Curious Nature Podcast. My name is Katherine Andrews. I am the host and author of The Sunday Soother, and I'm also teaching The Intentional Home, an eight-week course and community that's going to show you simple, practical tenets of feng shui, home magic, and energy work to manifest your goals and desires with the loving help of your environment, because that's something you can absolutely do. I have a special discount code for you. Use Curious Nature at checkout for 15% off, and I'll see you inside the course. Let's start with some really simple breath work because this is the kind of thing most people have some familiarity with it. You can do it anywhere. I do this a lot while I'm driving. We are going to share a few different breathing techniques. I'm going to start with my favorite because I'm biased. And this is a four, seven, eight breathing technique. So you breathe in for four, you hold for seven and you breathe out for eight. So what's important here is that the exhale is longer than the inhale. So let's just do one or two together. I'll hold the count and play along, folks. So breathe in for four, hold for seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, and exhale through your mouth for eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And you can do that a few more times. I usually do a handful, maybe four or five rounds of that before I start to feel myself settling back down. Other people love box breathing, which is in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. So you've got four equal sides and then you do four of those and you make a little box of boxes. And some people find that really satisfying. So let's do just one round of the box breathing. So in for four, three, two, one, hold for four, three, two, one, out for four, three, two, one, hold for four, three, two, one. And to complete the box, you would just do three more rounds of that. But lots of people don't love breathing techniques especially if you're neurodivergent, if you have ADHD, this might be agitating rather than calming, triggering. Yeah. The numbers, I do the numbers. I have a difficult time with the numbers and the box breathing. Yes, it's four for four. So that's a little more comfortable, but having to hold your breath for a certain, uh, it makes me feel mildly more panicky. Most people I talk to love it. But you should not do that, right? If, if it's not working for you, you shouldn't do that. And I think one of the things that we found that works for you is the noticing exercise. Noticing's hard too. The best thing for me is butterfly breathing. 
So imagine you're taking your hands out in front of you and you're crossing them over your chest. So your fingers are right below your collarbone and you're just tapping, alternating one, two, one, yeah. two. One. And yet I don't even count. I just tap to the rhythm of comfort and it can be fast or slow. I tend to like it very fast because it's comforting to me. And you're just tapping alternate shoulders. It's almost like someone patting you on the back. That's a great one for kids too, especially three, four-year-olds who may have a more difficult time with, say, a noticing exercise, which my 10-year-old loves. Could you explain that one? Before we move on to the noticing, just a quick note about butterfly breathing is with that tapping, you're also experiencing bilateral stimulation. So when you are working on a new neural pathway, if you are replacing a thought that isn't helpful with a new thought, it can be really useful to practice that thought while doing the butterfly tapping because that helps it wire the neural pathway more quickly. So say in cognitive behavioral therapy, if anyone's familiar with that, you have a mantra or a new phrase that you're working on. Now, all of a sudden, you're doing this in tandem with that, and that'll create a new neural pathway with that new messaging, and you'll start feeling differently about yourself in a more positive way. Exact same principle. Say you feel, I am not worthy, I am not deserving. What would be a good positive thing that we could say to someone who is feeling that way so they could internalize a new message? You have to find something that's right for you, but maybe I am worthy. Mm -hmm. I am of worth. I am enough. For me, that was mine. I am enough. And I tacked that thing on every light switch in the house for a while, put one on the mirror, and you start to believe it until it becomes true for you. And you are enough. You always were, but you just needed to believe that. But I love to hear that doing it in tandem with this breathing exercise, you can regulate your nervous system, create these new neural pathways, and solidify that message more easily. You were getting into the noticing exercise that your 10-year-old loves. So... What do you do with her? So you might have to help me with this one, but it's five, four, three, two, one. Yep. That's one of many different noticing techniques. This is what I love to do with the kids. And you work through the senses counting down from five. So it's five things you see. So you look in the room or if you're outside, I see a bird, I see a tree, I see the grass, I see a car, I see my feet. And then you do four things you hear. And so you hear that car, you hear that bird, you hear the tapping of your feet, and you hear a brook babbling. And then three things you can touch. So maybe you can touch that grass, you can feel the wind. So it doesn't have to be something that you're touching, but something that's touching you, or you can feel your own skin is always easy because it's always there. Two things you can smell. So maybe you smell grass because somebody just cut it. Or maybe you smell the smell of leaves in the fall. So that can bring you around. And then taste is the last one. You can taste a mint in your mouth or gum, or maybe just something residually in the air that you're able to taste by something you're around. And for me, that's too much. I mean, you heard me. I worked through it, but it was difficult for me to remember what happens next. So for me, again, something more simplified but for many people, including my 10-year-old, she loves that exercise. She can just go rattle it off. Five, four, three, two, one. And she feels great after. I love that. And it's a play on I spy. So in some ways, it's familiar with kids, but with a little more intention. And if that feels too complicated or you're like, oh, my word, that feels aggravating to have to remember that, you can simplify it even further. So you can pick a letter or a color 
truly anything and then look over one shoulder. So maybe look over your shoulder and see if you can name three things that are blue. Oh, the candle holder is blue, my altar is blue, and a pen is blue. And then I'm gonna pick a different color. I'll pick yellow and I'll look over my other shoulder and I'll name three things that are yellow. So I'm seeing a piece of wall art, another candle, and the flowers in the framed photograph behind me. It can be really, really simple. And that just brings you back into your body? Yeah, so it's interrupting the thoughts, conscious or not, that are running through your mind and taking you out of the moment. So it's interrupting a thought pattern and bringing you back into the very physical experience you are having so that you can start to cue to your nervous system that you are okay. And some people relax easily into meditating. Some people struggle with it. They get monkey mind where you're constantly thinking about so many things in your to-do list and it's hard to be present. Would these be good activities to do to regulate you and bring you back so you can continue to meditate? If they work for you, try it. That's a good answer. <laughs> Another thing that I love for nervous system regulation is just letting out a big giant sigh. So rude though. Yeah. We're taught that it's rude. We are. And I sighed a lot as a kid and I was taught that it was rude and I see why people think it's rude. Pick your moment. You don't have to be a about it. <laughs> yeah. When your boss shares a the latest report might not be the time to bust out this nervous system regulation technique. But if you're feeling something pent up, maybe go to the restroom, take a walk and let yourself express that. You don't even need to put words to it. Just <sighs> let it leave your body. I will often do this at the start of a client call because people come in and they might not even be aware of what they're carrying around with them that day. So we start with some breath work that works for them and end with some just big, deep sighing. And it's really freeing. I so. often think of it as like a black smoke coming out of my lungs. Mm -hmm. So you just release all that negativity, all that pent up energy. And Well, I want to give one more that's really great for kids. So butterfly tapping, super great for kids. Five, four, three, two, one, noticing, super great for kids. Another favorite is ear massage. When I do this with kiddos, I call it puppy ear massage because then we've got all the animals. And I'm going to take up my earrings here. And you just gently pinch starting down at your earlobe and wiggle that cartilage in between your fingers as you work up around the outside. And you can even go into that little dip inside and back down. It feels so good. And you can tug a little bit. I love to give it a little tug. Like a massage for your ears. It's a little ear massage. And it's like, oh, of course dogs love this. Right? Of course this like helps calm them down. And it's because it's stimulating your vagus nerve, which I'm not going to get into too much detail right now. But that is sort of the big kahuna bundle of nerves that runs all the way from behind your eyes down into your gut. And, and I love this one. This one's great for me. It's easy. It's simple. It's enjoyable. It's great for kids too. Apparently like the ones that kids tend to like. <laughs> so there is one last breathing thing that's really great for kids. It's starfish breathing. I wonder if this would aggravate you as much as the other ones do, Megan. 
But what you want to do is you want to hold your non-dominant hand out in front of you. Take your pointer finger of your dominant hand, start at the base of your thumb, and you breathe. So you breathe in as you bring your hand, your finger up the side of your thumb, and you breathe out as you go down the inside of your thumb. And you repeat as you go up and down every finger. And you can get a little sing-songy with the kids. So you can go in as you go up and out as you go down. And in as you go up and out as you go down. And you just work your way around your fingers. Sometimes my kids will do this. When they're really aggravated, they want nothing to do with any of the breathing techniques. And they snap at me. I don't like that. Okay, I'm just going to do this in front of you for a minute. This is going to help me stay calm. You feel what you need to feel. You do what you need to do. I'm going to do this. And so it's modeling that it's fine for them to have their big feelings. It really does help me stay calm in the face of their melt. And it's penetrating anyway. Even if they're not ready to do it in that moment, it's planting that seed so that maybe they can access it in the future. And a good parenting tip, don't do this while they're flipping out. Don't try and explain a new modality while they're flipping out. It's much better to explain this when they're in a calm state. You can show them or model it if they already are flipping out, but it might just make them upset that you're you're so calm. But that seems to work really well for Willow. She just turned seven. She absolutely loves starfish breathing. And she just brought me a sheet that she found in her room that I'd forgotten about. And it's a really beautiful drawing of a flower and a beautiful drawing of a leaf. And so it's flower breathing and leaf breathing. And it's basically the same as this starfish, but you're just tracing a leaf. So imagine a leaf like a ash leaf. You're just going up one side, down the other. So with all your fingers together, so starting at the base, up to your finger and back down the other side. Exactly. And then the petals of a flower, it's like you're tracing a daisy. And so you're coming around, you're breathing in for one petal, breathing out for another petal, breathing in for one petal, breathing out for another petal. So you can draw it or have them draw it. You can laminate it if you want. You can stick it on the wall. And that's a great way for them to have a quiet space in their room where they can go and trace a picture. And so a good one would be a flower, a starfish, a leaf. I can't believe I didn't know about that before. I am really excited to share that. Thank you. Yeah, it's great. Through our children, we're healing our own inner child. We're helping them work through using these modalities to regulate their nervous system so that they can feel comfortable in their bodies and also be able to let go of anything they're hanging on to that's no longer serving them. Yes. And if you don't have littles, you can do it for your own inner child anyway. So this works for anyone, any age, any family dynamic. But I do love that the next generation is being raised with these tools more readily accessible. By now, you might be clamoring for more information about how to get to know and work with your nervous system. And there was just so much we couldn't fit into this episode. So I made you a workbook. To get your free copy, visit thisissacrednature.com, my new URL and Instagram handle, and join my mailing list. I'll send you your free guide to nervous system magic. Okay, so we've talked about what nervous system regulation is and why it's helpful and ways to help regulate your nervous system. And all these techniques that we've talked about so far 
you can do in the moment. It's also super great to do proactively as what my coach, who is actually going to be a guest later this season, Catherine Andrews, what she calls nervous system hygiene. So just habit stack, brush your teeth, do a few rounds of breathing if that works for you, massage your ears, whatever it may be, but get into the habit of just doing it every day because it really does go a long way to helping you stay regulated. The last thing I wanted to talk about is the role of delight in nervous system regulation because I love this concept so much. And I think it makes so much sense that delight would be good for us. Delight is one of the best ways to come back into a regulated, what we would call ventral state. Connecting with nature has been shown to be really effective. And if you can't get into nature, you can bring flowers into your office. You can play bird sounds or other nature sounds. Find some way to at least get a glimpse of nature because it's going to be so good for your nervous system. Bringing a beautiful photograph of a landscape or piece of nature would be awesome. Play, particularly with others and ideally in person. Play helps tone the nervous system. So silliness, bust out the hula hoop. I'm all for mac and cheese TV, but if you're noticing that that's sucking you into a rut, maybe you can get someone to play a round of cards or bust out a board game, plug for Downton Abbey Clue, which is one of my faves. Thanks, fun. Downton Abbey Clue? Yeah. I got that for Christmas the other year. Oh, that's fun. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is putting yourself into situations where you're more likely to experience a sense of awe, a sense of wonder. I'll share what Deb Dana says about this in her book, Polyvagal Theory in Therapy. Awe brings a sense of wonder. We feel small and at the same time connected to something much bigger than ourselves. And this sense of connection leads us into a willingness to share and care. Awe challenges our ordinary ways of thinking. The after effects of experiences of awe move people into a state of curiosity and toward connecting and attuning with others, all of which is really great for your nervous system. So I think when we talk self-development, self-empowerment, it can start to feel like a task list or shoulds or homework, but really many of the most powerful inroads are like just the fun stuff, right? Playing games, experiencing awe, a big rainstorm, giant trees, looking at beautiful photographs of nature. All of that is at least as beneficial as the other tools that we've taught here today. And laughing. I have to imagine laughing is very, very positive and therapeutic and a good release. So maybe going to see a comedian or watching one, or just having some witty banter with friends. Yep, laughing. And then we mentioned shaking at the top, but we didn't really say much more about it. That can be great for just laughing, crying, shaking, dancing. I keep seeing that on Instagram. Everyone's dancing. Yeah, you don't have to dance well. It's just moving your body and letting that excess or errant energy discharge from your physical being 
so you can come back into yourself. And since we've been talking so much about kids, kids will do this naturally and then we culture it out of them. So I even noticed this yesterday. One of my kids was pissed and I thought it was a really out of proportion reaction, literally jumping up and down, yelling and crying over what to me seemed like a really minor event. And I was trying to talk her down from it. I was trying to reason with her. And then I was finally like, you know what? Get it out. Go for it. Feel whatever you have to feel. I'll be here. You let me know when you're ready to have a conversation about this. A safe space for self-expression. Yeah. And she did. And once I gave her the permission, it was almost to the end. She was able to get the last of it out. And then we had a good snuggle and a good talk. Because she knew intuitively she needed to discharge that from her body. Yeah. And it's tough. I have a kid who really likes playing with some clay in their hand and they release their nervous energy into that clay. So that can be a very quiet way. Say you're watching a film or say you're in class or you're driving can be a good way to calm yourself. That's very quiet and maybe not noticeable. But if you have the space, think of like an ugly cry, an ugly dance. Literally, I'm not talking about jazz, belly, tap, hip hop. I'm talking about moving and undulating your body to the music in a way that feels primal. And mm -hmm. it is so good. It feels amazing afterwards. Yeah. What Mama Gina calls swamping. Swamping. I love that. Swamping. You know, it doesn't have to be pretty. It is just, I love primal. Mm -hmm. That was the perfect word. You just let yourself move and feel whatever you've got to move and feel. It's it's really good. It's really good. All right, folks. So we hope you're sighing. We hope you're swamping. We hope you're doing some butterfly tapping. Try these things out. See what actually helps you feel calmer and like you're coming back into yourself. And this is a big topic. There are literally scores of books written about it. So if you have follow-up questions, totally fair. Reach out to us. Let us know. We would love to answer them, provide any support we can. Any therapies that we didn't mention that you love and would like to share, hit us up on Instagram or send us another voice memo. We would love to hear from you and see what's working for you. Hi there. My name is Kabir Green. I hope you'll check out my new album, I See Gold, which will be released digitally everywhere on February 9th. It's a mixture of electronic and acoustic sounds that I recorded in my home studio over the last year, and I hope you like it. Subscribe to the Curious Nature Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And if you liked today's episode, please leave us a five-star review. It means the world to us, and it helps more people find our podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at CuriousNaturePod. You can email us at CuriousNaturePod at gmail.com. The information provided on this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. We are not, nor are we holding ourselves up to be physicians, psychologists, or any other medical professional. We are not providing healthcare or medical or therapeutic services. The Curious Nature Podcast is produced by Olivia Bowen. Sound design and production by Megan LaPrairie. Theme music by Kabir Green. And logo art by Melinda Bukanich. Thanks for listening, Curious One. <laughs>